turning together this evening to Colossians and to the chapter 3, returning to our study in Colossians, Colossians chapter 3. We have considered together the opening verses of this chapter, and we return again to look a little further in Colossians chapter 3. We read again from the first verse, and let us follow in God's word together. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth, for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. We land there at verse 11, and may the Lord add his own blessing to this reading from his own precious and infallible word. Well, already in this chapter, we have considered the opening four verses, and there we thought about the seeking of the Christian, and the seeking of the Christian would be the seeking of a heavenly life. Seek those things which are above. We said as well it would be the seeking of a holy life. And verse 2 says, set your affections. And so it has to do with the heart and the setting of the heart's affections on things above. And then with verses 3 and 4, we could see that it was the seeking of a hopeful life right through to that time when Christ himself shall appear and that we shall also appear with him in glory. And we come tonight to the next section of verses. And as time permits, we want to look at verse 5 through to verse 9. And here we see the slaying of the Christian. It's really the slaying of sin in the life of the Christian. And here we can look into 
the verses 5 to 9, and what we're really seeing there is a practical holiness. Practical holiness in everyday Christian life. We understand from the previous chapter, Colossians chapter 2, that Paul was warning against legalism. And we notice the warnings that he was giving there. At the end of verse 22, he was referring to those things that were the commandments and doctrines of men. Commandments and doctrines of men. And so they were man-made laws, not scriptural laws. The commandments and doctrines of men. And if you were to glance back into chapter 2, you can see in verse 4, he said, And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. You look at verse 8 of that chapter, and again you see the warning. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Verse 16. There's the warning repeated, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days. Verse 18, the warning continues, let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshipping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. And Paul is steering the believer away from these things. And he's saying this amounts to legalism. It's the commandments and the doctrines of men. And he was pointing the believer to Christ and showing that in our Lord and Savior we have all of his fullness. For it pleased God that in him should all fullness dwell. And we are complete in the Lord Jesus Christ. In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And therefore... All that we have in Christ is all that we need. And so Paul is guiding the believer away from legalism. But we can see here in chapter 3 that while we are to guard against the commandments and the doctrines of men, Paul goes on in this chapter to show us that there are scriptural standards. He goes on to show us in chapter 3 that there are scriptural principles that demand and that call for holiness of life. And if we are going to truly seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, then that is going to show in our Christian lives. And it will show in a practical way. You see, there's a vast difference between legalism and obedience to the Word of God. And here Paul is speaking to these Colossian believers and he's saying to them, there are things in your lives that you have to slay. The slaying of sin in the life of the believer. 
And with that thought in mind this evening, I want you to notice with me firstly the death of sin. The death of sin in the life of the Christian. Look at verse 5. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. And verse 5 commences with the word mortify. And that word mortify means to put to death. There are things here that Paul says to the believer, they need to be put to death. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. And in order for the Christian to live that heavenly life and that holy life and that hopeful life, there must be a slaying of these particular things. What a hindrance sin is in the life of the Christian And we do focus upon the positive. The positive is in the early part of the chapter where the apostle is saying to them, seek those things which are above. That's positive. But he must also bring the negative. The positive is the seeking. And the negative is the slaying. And there has to be both. There has to be both. Maybe as the spring begins to to come and you get out into the garden and you want your garden to look beautiful, when in, in order for that to happen, you have to pull the weeds. The weeds have to go. That's the negative part. Maybe someone is diagnosed with an illness and in order for them to be cured, they have to undergo surgery. No amount of positive thinking is going to cure that individual. They require the surgery and therefore they must go under the knife. That's the negative. But it's with a view to the positive that they would be healed and they would be cured. And Christian, the Apostle Paul is calling on us to be those spiritual gardeners, remove the weeds. He's calling upon us to be the spiritual surgeon. We're to remove those things that would so hinder us and harm us in our walk with the Lord and in our fellowship with the Lord. And so there is to be a slaying of sin. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. It's a putting to death of sin. Parallel passage over in Romans chapter 6, and as the apostle writes to the believers at Rome, he says there in Romans 6 and the verse 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin may be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. And Paul speaks about the crucifying of the old man. The old man, the old nature, the old habits, the old ways, they're to be crucified with Christ. They're to be nailed to the cross of Christ. The reference in Romans 6 and verse 6 is that the body of sin may be destroyed and that we would henceforth in our Christian lives not be servants to sin. In Romans 6 and the verse 11, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be 
dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey the lusts thereof. And so Paul, whether he's speaking to the Romans or to the Colossians or to others of the epistles that he has written, he is telling us that the believer is to nail those sins to the cross of Christ. As he wrote to the Galatians in chapter 2, verse 20, he said, I am crucified with Christ. A nailing of the old man to the cross, and then a rising up in newness of life, that spiritual life that is implanted within us, whereby we become those new creatures with a new standing. And with a new nature. And so there's to be a death to sin. There's to be nailed to the cross of Christ. Paul names the sins in our Bible reading. Not a popular thing to name sin today. Mostly there's a generalization of sin. But there in verse 5, the verse that we're looking at in Colossians 3... You can see there are at least five, perhaps even six sins that he names there. We could say they are generally sensual sins. And if you were to take a moment just to go down those sins that are named by the apostle in verse 5, these are the sins that need to be put to death. And the first one there is the word fornication. Fornication. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication. If you were able to see that word in the original language of the New Testament, it's the word pornea, from which in the English we get the word pornography. And that's the thing here that the Apostle Paul is naming first in this list. And that word would be covering the whole spectrum of immorality. That word would take in everything by way of immoral practices, and that's where we would draw that term pornography. There was a recent survey, and it made disturbing reading how easily accessible all this content is today. And the Children's Commissioner for England just recently said that one in ten children have watched pornography before their nine years of age. Very disturbing. The harmful effects not only for the individual but for society at large. It's deeply concerning. And as you would look at those statistics in the survey, the older the individual gets, the percentages rise so sharply. Paul says this is something that needs put to death. Fornication. Then the second sin that he names there in verse 5 is uncleanness. As that word would suggest, it's referring to filthiness. Filthiness. And it would have, again, quite a wide meaning. But particularly, it would relate to 
filthy language, a filthy tongue, the sins of the tongue. And what a dangerous thing that little member is. James says, is it set on fire of hell? The uncleanness, filthiness of the tongue, it needs to be put to death. There's no place for it in the life of the believer. He goes on in verse 5 to refer to inordinate affection. Inordinate, that which isn't ordinary, that which is not natural. And so there's unnatural desires and unnatural relations, and that inordinate affection would include homosexuality, that which is not natural. It's inordinate affection. Sad thing is today it's been legalized. Same-sex marriage has been legalized. God's word defines it as sin. And it needs to be put to death, put to the sword. The fourth sin that's mentioned there in verse 5 is evil concupiscence. You could say that's evil desires. And so it moves from the heavenly to the earthly. See, the believer is to seek those things which are above. That's the heavenly life. But here it's referring to uh, those members upon the earth, the earthly things. And those evil desires, the fleshly as opposed to the spiritual. Paul says you need to slay those things, those evil desires that war against the soul. Then the fifth thing he mentions in verse 5 is covetousness. In Ephesians 4 and 19, it's translated greediness. Covetousness or greediness, that greedy desire for more, that one who is never satisfied, no matter what aspect of life it would be, there's a wanting of more. The end of the verse 5 says, which is idolatry. And of course, idolatry is anything or anyone that's put in the place of God, anyone that is put before the Lord. Anyone that takes the place of the Lord. And so whenever you think on those things, that greediness is really amounting to idolatry. Whenever you just glance down that list of five or six sins in verse five there, there are things that we find most uncomfortable even to read over. And yet there in verse 7 of our Bible reading, Paul says, In the which ye also walked. Saying to the believers, you walked in those things. You were guilty of those things. Ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them. And so we could go down those sins that would shock us and those sins that we would find most uncomfortable even to contemplate. And yet the apostle is saying, ye walked in them and ye lived in them. But they now need to be put to death. 
There's no place for them now in the life of the Christian. They have to be nailed to the cross. And so there's the death of sin, but as the passage goes on, I want you to notice the departure from sin. And there in verse 8, it starts with the words, but now. And so if those verses, verses 5 that we have considered, if it's referring there to the past and perhaps referring to that time when uh, we were born again and we were made new creatures and the old things there mentioned were to pass away, things that we walked in and things that we lived in, but now, but now, but now we see that there's still an ongoing battle with sin. Because verse 8 says, But now ye also put off all these. You see, while we're upon this earth, even though we would be seeking those things which are above, there will always be that ongoing battle with sin. And verse 8 here would be indicative of that. But now, in the present time, but now ye also put off all these things to put off. The words there, put off, mean to to lay aside, to depart from, to put off just the way you would take off your coat and you would set it aside and you would uh, depart from it as it were. That's what's to be done with these sins. You're to put them off. You're to depart from them. Again, over in Romans, and here it's Romans chapter 13 and the verse 12. It's translated there, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness And let us put on the armor of light. So in a similar passage, the apostle is saying to the believers at Rome, cast off the works of darkness. It's the same expression that's in our text tonight in Colossians 3. Cast off or put off, just as you would cast off a coat or a garment. But what are these things that are to be put off? What is the sin that we are to depart from? Verse 5, we said, well, they were sensual sins. But in verse 8 and following, we could say, these are social sins. Dr. Campbell Morgan said of these sins in verses 8 and 9, these are the sins in good standing. The sins in good standing. What did he mean by that? probably that we become so accustomed to them that these sins somehow become acceptable. But clearly they're not acceptable to God because we're being exhorted in God's word to put them off. And these sins that are mentioned in verse 8, they are connected. You could take the first three of them Put off all these, anger, wrath, malice. Anger. Anger that can build up and anger that can increase and anger that can increase like a pressure cooker and then it's going to break forth and it's going to break forth into wrath. 
Anger that will break forth into a temper. I've heard some Christians say, that's just me. No. The Lord says here, put it off. Depart from these things. There's no place for these things in the life of a Christian. The Lord has given to us the grace and the fullness of the Lord Jesus Christ where he gives us the strength to put these things off. We can't conquer them by ourselves, but we can conquer them in the power of the Lord. You see, if we really believe that in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you're complete in him, then that includes being able to put off anger, to put off wrath, and to put off malice. You see, anger gives way to wrath, and wrath gives way then to malice. And malice refers to ill will. You know where that wrath against perhaps an individual and then there's a malice, there's an ill will that's there. The Apostle Paul is saying to the believer, you need to put these things off. These things would destroy you. Anger, wrath, malice. Then he says blasphemy. That would seem almost out of context there because when we think of that word blasphemy, we think automatically of blasphemy against the Lord and the taking of the Lord's name in vain. But that word blasphemy can relate to any individual, speaking ill of any individual, being injurious against the good name of an individual is blasphemy against them. In Ephesians 4 and 31, the same expression is translated evil speaking. And so there's anger and wrath and malice and blasphemy or evil speaking against an individual. Paul says you need to put those things off. And then he goes on, the end of verse 8, filthy communication out of your mouth. Verse 9, Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. And so you can see these things where Paul is speaking in a very practical way here to God's people. And he has to go down these particular sins when he's speaking to God's people. Therefore, we can see that we need to take it seriously. He's not speaking to the world. He's speaking to the Christian. And so there's the death of sin. There's a departure from sin. But just thirdly, as we finish, and we finish very briefly, the danger of sin. In our Bible reading, I didn't refer to verse 6, but just after Paul has listed those sins in verse 5. He says in verse 6, For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. 
the wrath of God cometh. When you read that in Scripture, you do well to pause. Very serious matter to think about the wrath of God. And it's sin that brings the wrath of God. The things that have been mentioned there by the apostle that we have quickly uh, taken an overview of. Those are the very things which the ungodly are going to be judged for. The very things which the ungodly will face the wrath of God for. And so I believe Paul has inserted that verse to show the contrast that there should be between the Christian and the world, between the Christian and the ungodly. You see, the ungodly are going to face the wrath of God for these things, so God forbid that they would ever be found in the life of the Christian. They need to be put to death in the life of the Christian. They need to be put off. They need to be departed from how far they should be from the believer, that there is that contrast to the world around us. Would God want his people to tolerate these things in their lives? God forbid. That's why Christ died on the cross for us, to deliver us from those things and to deliver us from the consequences of sin and to deliver us from the wrath of God. Therefore, we're given a reminder of the danger of sin, of the seriousness of sin, and of those who are under the wrath of God because of such sin. And may it give to us, therefore, a love and a burden for them to reach out to those around us who are dying in sin, and that we might appreciate more what it is to be delivered from the wrath of God. May the Lord bless these thoughts to our hearts this evening. And we'll sing a couple of verses at this stage just to change our position. It's the hymn 319. The hymn 319. And of course the words will appear uh, on the screen. 319. Far away the noise of strife upon my ear is falling. Then I know the sins of earth beset on every hand. Doubt and fear and things of earth in vain to me are calling. None of these shall move me.